What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I don't know what the weather's been like in your area, John Wilner, but we have had snow and ice and mostly a lot of ice and freezing rain and the hills in the Portland metropolitan area all snowed and icy and a lot of cars sliding around and... Of course, uh, school canceled all week. The kids are not complaining about that. But, man, I am here. We got the podcast going. Yeah, no complaints here. There's going to be rain in the Bay Area all weekend, but uh, certainly nothing like what everyone in the Northwest has has, uh, faced. And we are recording on Friday afternoon. Typically, we try to record on Wednesday or Thursday. Last week, we delayed because of the Alabama coaching search. And this week, we delayed because you needed some – you needed the time. Oh, tell me, what is? Uh, can you guys get out of the house? What is going on up there? I have not left the house all week long, except to go out into the yard with snow boots on uh, to fix a variety of issues. We had an issue. We have a uh, we have a swim spa that's an in ground sp- swim spa, and um, the pipes for it froze, and uh, it caused a big issue. The pool company had to come over. There was water going everywhere and freezing, and. It was, uh, it really, the temperatures got down into the teens. And again, the kids did not complain because they even found a way to go sledding. We have this huge hill that's right by our house. And that's part of the problem is, you know, you don't have a lot of flat, wide streets in the uh, Portland metropolitan area. You have a lot of hills, you have terrain. And so when it gets icy like that, and it did, it, you know, it got down to like 17 degrees and then it would be freezing ice and then. Uh, that would just layer upon layer. And by the time I got out of the driveway, there was like two inches solid ice. The kids were put on tennis shoes and literally pretended to like ice skate around the driveway and the sidewalks. But uh, really challenging. DeAndre Ayton, the Blazer player, could not get out of his house. He missed the game. Everybody's calling him a wimp for it. But I get it, man. I could not, I could not get to the grocery store. And so we were pretty much hunkered down. We did not lose power. There were plenty of people who lost, uh, like, power for three days. And, you know, I can't imagine going through that again. We did that a few years ago. But all is well. The kids are happy. They didn't have school all week. But the parents are losing their minds. So you haven't driven all week? No. No. Wow. I I can't get out. I have this. We have this driveway that's got a steep incline that, you know, it's like uh, it's not quite a 45-degree incline, but it's a pretty steep incline, and it's about a – 60, 70 foot sort of drop down into our driveway on the incline and I can't get up it and I have four wheel drive and it's not a matter. It's just a matter of sheer trans, you know, traction. And I've got snow tires. It's just, you're on two inches of ice. And so now it is melted and I've gone out there with uh, a shovel and a pick and broken up a lot of the ice. So I, I think in a pinch right now, I could get out of the driveway, but all week long, no, I've been housebound. Wow. Well, hope everybody up there is uh, is at least safe, even if you can't get out and about. But do you know that look that parents get when they've spent? I mean, they love their children, but they get a look in their eye that's maybe not a little. It's not all that healthy. I think we all have that look right now. Like we, yeah, <laughs> we all need a little break from each other. And you forget, um, you know, we do offload as Americans. We offload our kids into the educational system. And we miss them when they come home from school. And I think my, my wife this morning, 
as uh, we got the notice, we got a text message from the school district saying the schools were closed again. I uh, I waited for the scream, you know, as I was going to hear for it yeah. because it's just been a lot, been too much. Uh, I'm John Canzano. You can read my work at johnconzano.com. It's given me a chance really to hunker down on work. Uh, you can read John Wilner, Bay Area News Group superstar at pac12hotline.com. Uh, Wilner, let's can we talk a little bit about the changes like Jed Fish to Washington, Brett Brandon to Arizona? Where do you want to start? Boy, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's not. And those are not uh, the Jed Fish hire. It's not an intra-conference move anymore, right? That is a Big Ten football school hiring a coach from a Big 12 football school, uh, which takes a little bit of getting used to. And I think that there's a bigger picture, bigger story there, too, in terms of where college football is going with the Big Ten and the SEC kind of leaving everybody else behind. And this is an example of that. And there's going to be a lot more examples, but you know, I, I thought it was interesting. Washington did not have a whole lot of time to, to find a replacement for, for a Kalen DeBoer who left, you know, became official last Friday. They had fish in place within 48 hours, Arizona folks really uh, upset about it. I think more about how it happened than the fact that it did happen. Uh, fish, you know, Fish has not been anywhere for more than three years. So the fact to me, the fact he was leaving is not uh, the fact he didn't sign his contract extension and decided to go somewhere else for more money in a in a more influential conference was not a big surprise. I think a couple things. I want to dive a little deeper on that timing thing. And, and people have commented how frantic it feels. It feels like a frenzy. DeBoer goes to Alabama and suddenly, you know, there's there's a panic, uh, you know, what's Washington going to do? And, you know, that frenzy has been created by the transfer portal because the minute those coaches announce they're leaving, you know, there's a 30-day window that opens at Washington and at Alabama, and now there's an increased amount of pressure on Washington to make a hire rapidly to try to hold some of those players in place and not allow too much of a gap. And we saw this. I think the hiring process that we are seeing nowadays versus maybe even two years ago is much more accelerated, much more focused on retention of the roster. You know, everybody's concerned. The NIL entity is involved on your campus. And so it's really created a flurry and it's created, uh, you know, the, the compression of the hiring process. This is not like an NFL job where you've got players under contract. This is college sports and you've got to move quickly. And so the dominoes fall fast in the college game. And then, to Arizona's point, you know, look, we're all fools as sports fans. It's it's inherent in the description. We're fools. We're blind. We all think our school is better than any other school. We love it in our bones. And why wouldn't this coach feel the same way? Why, won't, why don't players feel the same way? Doesn't anybody else get this? And so when a guy like Jed Fish leaves or Jonathan Smith leaves Oregon State as alma mater, the fan base freaks out and, and feels like it's a punch in the mouth and – to a certain extent, it is. I mean, they're basically saying, I don't want to go to prom with you. And they're going with someone else. And so there's a little bit of a, uh, a humbling there that happens with those fan bases when anybody leaves. And it happens to every school. Nobody's immune to it. Uh, but I think you got to know who Jetfish is. It's like when Dennis Erickson was at Oregon State. You know, I, I came in. That was my first week on the job. My first or second column it was, hey, when does Der Dennis Erickson leave Oregon State? And everybody got mad. And Dennis Erickson called, yelled at me, and we had a big argument about it. I went down and saw him in person, and 
You know, he said, oh, did I steal a girlfriend from you? And I said, Dennis, look at your resume. You know, it's like Jed Fish's resume. It's like two years here, three years here. You know, you don't, you don't stay in this is what you do. And Dennis said, damn it, I'm going to stay. And then uh, we shook hands, and a week later, he ended up with the 49ers. Like, it's, this is who Jed Fish is. This is who the business is. You can't take it personally. You can't. And so for Arizona, I think it's a little bit hard because the last time Arizona lost its head coach to another school was in the 80s. Larry Smith, when he went from Tucson to USC. Since then, every head coach Arizona has been, basically been fired, dismissed, you know, resigned. So it's been many fans, right? Arizona fans weren't even alive the last time this happened to them. But you're right. It, it happens to everyone. And the system is set up for the coaches to have to sometimes lie, sometimes, you know, fudge the truth on what their commitment is. But look, in both cases, Arizona and Washington, they they hired head coaches who had no ties to the school, who weren't from the area, didn't go to the school. And if you do that, you're you're elevating your, the risk uh, of them leaving. Right now, Jonathan Smith left Oregon State, his alma mater right now. He was there for a long time. The, the conference situation, I'm sure, affected him a ton. But you are much more likely to retain your coach if there is a personal tie to the school, which is why I think Arizona hiring Brent Brennan was such a smart move. They need continuity and and he's, you know, he's got Arizona in his blood. But both the boar and fish, you know, they were flight risks all along. And then each case they had contracts in front of them, uh, extensions with substantial raises that went unsigned through the early stages of the hiring cycle, right? Now you could we could discuss whether the schools were proactive enough. Uh, whether they waited too long to get those extensions in front of the coaches. But when both situations, when when the extensions were not signed immediately, then you start to think, well, these guys have, have uh, you know, their eyes on greener pastures. And that's exactly what happened. It's a leverage game all the way. And you know, all the way. Rob Mullins at Oregon, one year, Dan Lanning wins 10 games in his first year. He redoes the deal. At, you know, after one season. And people said, oh, it's too soon. He doesn't have proof of performance. No, Mullins was playing defense, and he got that buyout to $20 million. And so, you know, that's part of the help. But in, but in a lot of cases, the buyout doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. The, it's, it's just money on a piece of paper. And for all the schools that are pleading poverty and we can't make it, you know, you're still seeing the coaching salaries at $7 million plus a year and uh, a whole lot of— uh, Well, for the Big Ten yeah. schools especially, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at the salaries, head coaching salaries for Washington, Oregon, uh, USC, UCLA, and they're substantially higher on average than Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. And and we're going to continue, I think, to see more of that bifurcation. Uh, there's no doubt when the when the playoff expansion, you know, takes hold and the SEC and Big Ten are getting a ton of bids and a ton of money from that. The, the the resource disparity, I think, is only going to grow. What do you think? All right, let's say it's, it's uh, say, three or four years from now. Which fan base do you think is going to be happier? Which fan base do you think is going to be happier with its head coach, new head coach, Washington or Arizona? Arizona. I think Brent Brennan. How come? I think Brennan's a home run hire. And I think, you know, I think Fish – in Washington, they don't have Michael Penix Jr. I think Fish will be fine. I think he's a really good offensive mind. I am a little concerned that his proof of performance is a narrower sample size. 
if I'm Washington, but I understand why Washington did it. The guy did uh, great work at Arizona. He's smart. He looks to be better suited for this NIL era than some others. Uh, so I think he'll be okay, but I think Brennan's going to end up being a home run in part because I think he knows what he's doing. He's got a tie there. I think he's a really good coach. But I think going to the Big 12 versus going to the Big 10 is going to net him some easier games on Saturdays. And so I think he's got a better path at Arizona than maybe Fish has at Washington uh, moving forward. And, and hey, I want to point out one thing, too. Like, I was looking back. Fish joins the Pac-12. He's there at 2021 Media Day. I went back and looked at the photos from 2021 Media Day for Pac-12 Media Day in Hollywood. Nine of the 12 coaches are no longer with their schools, Wilner. 75% turnover. Only Kyle Whittingham, Chip Kelly, and Justin Wilcox in, in three seasons. Everybody else gone. Nuts. E that's even, you know, as as quickly as the coaching turnover happens, that's that's probably a little bit fast. But, you know, some of it happened that that fall, I believe, 2021, right? Yeah. And and 2022. It was uh we had we went through one period where there were three coaches who were fired during the season, right? Yeah. A roll that 21, Rolovich was fired because the vaccine situation. Uh Clay Helton was fired. Carl Durrell and, went uh, later. Yeah, Herm went later. You know, it's Herm. Shaw hung it yeah. up. You know, it, Jimmy Lake Jimmy was Lake. was out yeah. by the end of that year. Cristobal it leaves. Was, Mario Cristobal leaves. It, you know, yeah. it was, it's just wild to think back on what happened. What do it you is. think of Fish versus Brennan? Who has the I better think, runway? I, I get. I think Fish is a good coach. I get back to the fact that if Jaden Delora hadn't gotten hurt, none of this would be happening, right? Because <laughs> The, the quarterback switch after De Delora's injury is what sparked that seven-game winning streak, which is what got him the job. And I don't think that they would have finished like that if Delora had stayed healthy and remained the starter. Uh, you know, they end up going seven and six, eight and five. And everybody thinks, you know what, seven and six, eight and five. That's a really good stepping stone for the program, given where it was two years ago, right? One and 11. Uh, but, but if they're seven and six, eight and five, I don't think Jed Fish is the coach at Washington. They, Delora gets hurt. They go to Noah Fafita. He plays lights out. The team gets hot. They win seven in a row, beat Alabama, uh, beat Oklahoma and Fish is on the short list for Washington. So it kind of gets a little bit back to what you were saying with, with proof of performance and the sample size. And you can contrast that when Kalen DeBoer was hired by the Huskies, he had been a coach for head coach for, I think, nine years. He had won at two different levels. You know, he, I think that that was a more of a sure thing than this is. I do, I do think Fish will win, but you also are going to have to redefine success for all these programs in the new era, right? Arizona, if you're in the Big 12, if you're Arizona or Utah, Colorado, ASU, you probably have got to win the Big 12 to get in the playoff. 16-team league, you probably have to win it because I think most years the Big 12 is only going to have one bid. Big 10, if you're Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, you you could have a shot if you finish fourth. You certainly are getting in the playoff if you finish third. So it will be real interesting to see how that whole thing plays out uh, for for the schools going into these these leagues that have very different – you know, uh, calculations for who's going to get playoff bids. Yeah, I just, I, 
and look for Washington fans. I, you know, my Washington fan friends are they're you know they're they've got their you know heads buried in their hands right now because they feel like they were just coming off the national title game euphoria and now they're dealing with you know a start over. But I will say this: in today's world, with the transfer portal. You can start over. Oregon has done it multiple times with, you know, after Willie Taggart, after Mario Cristobal. And, and I, you know, we've seen other schools. There's a there's a way to get rich quick in today's college game. And so I think that's a silver lining if you're a Washington fan. Um, oh, yeah, we see. I mean, absolutely. Uh, the, and we should uh, explain briefly for folks. If you lose your coach, you can enter the transfer portal for 30 days. Uh and players that once they're in the transfer portal, they can select their school at any time. The next window for everybody to enter the portal is, I think it's April 15th or 16th. It's the second half of April. So to, I'm guessing that Arizona and Washington are going to have a lot of players uh, available in the second portal window. And so they'll do a lot of roster construction in late late April and early May. So don't, if you're, if you're a fan, do not panic. I would say at this point, you gotta, you gotta trust your coach. You need a good NIL game and there, there's going to be a lot of players available. Yeah. And I think the, right now it's a retention mode for Brent Brennan at Arizona and Jed Fish at Washington and Kalen DeBoer to some extent at Alabama. Oh, Alabama's getting gutted. They're like all of a sudden Alabama, like Nick Saban was not only the greatest coach of all time. He was like, an immune system because they never got hammered like this with the transfer portal. They lose guys to the NFL, but they never got hit by the transfer portal like this because everybody wanted to play for Saban. And now that he's gone, they're getting just carved up. I think the board will be able to reload to a certain extent, but it's fascinating seeing Alabama experience the world that basically every other school has experienced for a few years now. Well, you're hitting on something. I, you know, when Nick Saban announced he was leaving, I reached out to a Power Four conference coach, in, in, and I said, why do you think he's leaving? And the response came back, essentially, he's lost his advantage. Everybody's doing NIL, and Saban doesn't have—he knows he's not going to have the best team anymore. And so I kind of—of the three hires, let's go DeBoer, Fish, and Brennan, I think the one that has the biggest risk to be like a flameout is DeBoer at Alabama, even though I immensely respect his his coaching— uh, you know, skill and see the proof of performance. I think that's a little bit of a high wire act, particularly in the wake of Saban, because 10 wins may not be enough to make people happy there. Oh, uh, no chance. I mean, he's going to have to be winning national championships. That That's the biggest difference, right, is he's replacing the greatest coach of all time. And the there, I don't think there's any way First of all, there was no there was no perfect candidate for Alabama, right? I think they did uh, as good as they could have hoped, but there's no way he's going to live up to the expectations because the expectations are unprecedented in the history of the sport. So he has got yeah. If you're looking, which of the three has the best chance of basically keeping the fan base happy in three years, four years? I I would probably say Brent Brennan. Well, keep an eye on that. Uh, meanwhile, we've got basketball, so to speak, to keep us warm here through the winter months. Uh, yeah. Pac-12 has been a little up and down, a little inconsistent, as streaky as Colorado is on the offensive end of the floor, maybe. But um, you know, I really liked Oregon's team, and up until the point where they played Colorado, uh, you know, in this 
Thursday night game. And I, I respect what Kyle Smith is doing at Washington State. He has taken a roster that got gutted by the portal and defections to the NBA, and he replaced it with a Big Sky Conference guy and a Sonoma State transfer and a JUCO player, and he hasn't seemed to have missed a beat. Uh, but what do you see happening in the basketball scene? Uh, chaos, really. Uh, I mean, UCLA loses, would they lose by 46 at Utah? And then the next week they go win at ASU. Uh, Washington State kind of, they were struggling for a little bit. And then they beat Arizona for the second year in a row. They beat Arizona. Then they go to Stanford and win. You know, Cal is competitive. Uh, it's a little. It's a little nuts. USC, I thought USC was going to be real good. They're really struggling. I'm not sure what to make of Oregon. I I thought that I had a handle on them because, you know, they had gone to that perimeter-oriented approach with the big guys being hurt. But what happens when the big guys come back? I don't know. It's a little bit nuts. You, I thought you had a real good dive into the officiating situation after the, uh, was it UCLA, ASU the other day? I thought Bobby Hurley's head was going to, literally explode uh like a sci-fi movie but what what did you what what is the background of of your reporting on on that issue well it's uh, you know i i i like hurley and maybe it's because i covered bobby knight and i understand sort of the method and the madness and how people get kind of a little bit miscast or misjudged but i think hurley really wants to win he's an intense competitor and i thought he had the better team against ucla and so i was watching the game and i even dispatched a reporter to be at the ASU game just to kind of gather string, see if anything happened. And my reporter who was there texted me very early in the game, and he says, you should be watching this game. It's The officials have uh, have taken the game over. And, and the game wasn't that hotly contested between the two teams. Arizona State had a 15-point lead in the second, early in the second half. But, you know, Tony Padilla, the official who he is a veteran official, he's officiated Final Fours, he seemed to be hunting – for technical fouls. Uh, Arizona State got four techs, blew the 15-point lead. Uh, I thought uh, Padilla was uh, uh, really quick with the whistle, inconsistent, seemed to be irritated at Arizona State. And, you know, I looked, I sort of started looking back to see where, where, where did he officiate last week? And it turns out he did back-to-back -back Arizona State games. Now, that caught my attention, Wilner, and I thought, I'm not used to seeing that. One official on back-to-back -back games like he's tired of Bobby Hurley in Arizona State. And and uh, I looked through all the other box scores for the season. I couldn't find a case of an official working back-to-back -back games for any team in the Pac-12. I reached out to the Pac-12. They said, hey, there's no protocol against it. But then I reached out to the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the Mountain West, and the WCC. They all said, hey, we review those assignments every week. And, you know, unless you're in a pinch, you uh, you, uh, you try to avoid that situation. But it feels to me like you know, look, this could just be a personality thing. These two guys have a, have had a beef before. The, maybe it just went sideways two games in a row. There were apparently were some words exchanged between the two several years ago um, that, that both feel bad about. And there's some bad feelings between Hurley and the official. But um, it just feels to me like this was an avoidable thing. Like, why is this official on Arizona State game twice in a row? It's a 20,000-foot question. And the more I dug into it, Wilner, the more I got the impression, and this just goes for the conference as a whole, that there's a little bit of autopilot going on right now because 
you know, this conference is not going to exist beyond July at, in its present form. What do the grades of the officials mean in, anyway if, if you're not going to be assigning for next season? And I just get the feeling that there's a little bit of, you know, autopilot. I don't want to say apathy because I think people care, but I just think people are kind of in, you know, what does it matter mode? You know, let's just schedule these games, schedule the officials, and get it over with. I, I think it was a real misfire by the Pac-12 to have that official on back-to-back games. Yeah, didn't ASU get hit with three technical fouls the game he worked against Washington? They they have had an issue with him in particular in several games. It I think it really reared its head in this one because it just, you know, and I'm going from, I'm watching on TV, I've got a reporter on press row, and I'm basically communicating to the reporter, hey, are you seeing what I'm seeing here? Like, both teams were jawing. And there was one case where Arizona State player with about four minutes to go in the game commits a foul on the UCLA player. There's a media timeout. The UCLA players are coming off the bench. There's sort of this moment where the Arizona State player has to weave through the UCLA players who are kind of barbing at him because he just committed a foul. He says something back, and Padilla tees up the Arizona State player. And I thought, like, gosh, there's a time when you do that. But didn't look to me like both teams were jawing and he was singling out the ASU kid. And I, I don't know. I just think it when you work back-to-back games like that, you know that official has a beef with Bobby Hurley. I just think it amounts to a bad recipe. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, not surprised to hear your view of the asleep, the asleep at the switch view, so to speak. Right. And it's hard to blame folks, I think, at the conference office and networks, right? I mean, everybody is wondering what what their life is going to be like starting in the summer. Uh, and the other, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm just t- kind of taking a guess here. But, man, I can't imagine that they're very inspired by the leadership, right? I mean, a lot of folks wondering why, why hasn't there been a change at the top? Uh, my guess is that they, they want Kliakov to stay because of the college football playoff negotiations, right? He's in the commissioner meetings, the the uh, the management committee meetings. They need somebody in there, and it probably serves Washington State and Oregon State's purposes to have some continuity there until the CFP determines the specifics of its next chapter, right? The especially the revenue distribution piece. So I could see why they'd want to have him there because he's got, uh, you know, the the uh, the background for multiple years of background with the CFP. But if you're like if you're on the campuses, if you're working for the networks or the conference, it's like, man, what are we doing here? Let's just let's just make it, you know, move on. Right. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is, you know, there are people involved and they're, you know, they're job they're job hunting and they're thinking about their own future. But. And, and I, but the games are being played, and I I called six other Pac-12 coaches on the men's and women's side, and I asked them about officiating, and I said, here's my concern. Of course, they don't want to be quoted, but they the sentiment I got was, you know, there's always going to be belly aching about officiating. What you need to remove as a conference is you need to remove the appearance that. You know, this is a, a bad setup that that Padilla is assigned to back to back games that he has a beef with Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley probably has beef with several officials, to be fair. But you need to remove that. I had one conference commissioner, not in the Pac-12, who said they go out of their way if they think there's a personality issue with an official or a coach 
They'll go out of their way to kind of put some distance between that. The Pac-12 did the opposite. It put gasoline and a match next to each other in back-to-back games. Yeah, and and you wonder, you know, that's basketball ops. That's what uh, the the chief of officiating for basketball is the one who makes the assignments, and they they drop the ball there. Well, it'll be real interesting to track whether he's got any more ASU games going forward. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll be curious if he shows up on Saturday with Arizona State's hosting USC. Look out, that uh, could be could be messy. Uh, hey, look, we let's preview uh, our next episode next week. We're going to take a look ahead. Wilner, how far ahead are we looking? We're looking uh, for basically a calendar year. It's 52 weeks. I think we should look all the way ahead through the 24 football season, which, of course, with the expanded playoff, is going to go into the second half of January. So we're, we're going to – what what is in store for, I guess, college basketball this spring? Uh, conference transition, next football season, any off the field issues? We're gonna we're gonna do uh, a few predictions for the next twelve months, and I'm I've been uh, kind of making a few mental notes here the last couple weeks of what I think is gonna happen. I'm sure you've been doing the same, and it's gonna be a fascinating, fascinating fifty two weeks. Yeah, I've been nonstop kind of thinking about what comes next, what happens next, what does it look like, and. You know, what do our uh, our listeners care about? But we'll have it for you. We'll have it here. You can read me at johnconzano.com. You can read John Wilner at pac12hotline.com. Uh, we appreciate that you listen. Make sure you subscribe if uh, you haven't already subscribed. And uh, stay warm out there, all right? Uh, I, I, hopefully I'm yeah. falling out up here. So <laughs> Our listeners care about you being able to get out of your house and get to the grocery store. It's just not mentally healthy, you know? I'm Jack. Did you Nicholson guys have enough food, or did you have you been door dashing all week? No, we uh, we got we are stocked up, but um, and my wife did make one trip out. She got out. She had a friend who was able to come by the front of the house, so she didn't have to go out the back up the driveway. We have a driveway in the back of our house, more or less. But it, she did get out, get, make one trip out. But you know, we're fine. Food's not the issue. The issue is my mental health over here. So I'm, it's nice to talk to you, John Wilner. I'll, I'll tell you that. Well, good luck with everything this weekend and all our listeners up in the Pacific Northwest. Stay healthy and uh, safe. Thanks very much for listening.